Hello, everyone. My name is Claire Foley, and welcome to Let's Talk About Success. The goal of my show is to highlight the nonlinear career paths that most media professionals have to take in order to be successful. So if you're looking to work in media one day or you're just interested in what goes on behind the scenes, this podcast is for you. In each episode, I will sit down with a different media professional to talk about what it is they do, how they got there, and what advice they may have for someone who is looking to do a similar job or just work in the industry in general. But yeah, so because of what a lot of people do in this industry is displayed on social media and LinkedIn, it's really easy to compare yourself to others, especially when you see them doing what you want to do. Um, So the goal of this show is to speak with those professionals who are deemed as successful and talk about the steps that went into them getting there because it wasn't as easy as they got their first job and they were set for life. Um, They faced rejections, setbacks. And so I want to highlight that to help young professionals feel more comfortable in the place they're at um, and take advice from what these professionals have learned along their way. And before we get into our guest, just want to give a disclaimer up top. This is my first podcast interview. Uh, there will not be any Oprah Winfrey where you silent or you silenced moments. Um, really straightforward. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm really excited to have had Steve Peralt as my first guest. I'm a big fan of his. You may know him as the host and producer of the Section 10 podcast. He also has his own radio show where he's the host called The Live BP Show. And he also works for Bleacher Report as an app strategist for their walk-off brand. Um, Before all of that, he went to Endicott College in Massachusetts, where he majored in sports management and minored in communication. Um, But yeah, I'm really excited about the conversation I had with Steve. We talked about um, his college career, some internships he did, moving on to his more professional career, jobs he's had, um, things he liked about it, specifics of what he does in his roles now, um, and even wrapped it up with some mental health stuff and advice for young professionals today. So without further ado, here is Steve Peralt. So let's talk about success. Um, so we just went over all the different jobs you have. So if you could just like go through each one, explain what it is you do for each of those. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so first off, my main job is Bleacher Report. I have been with Bleacher Report for over five years, almost six years now, uh, working on the BR app. And my newest title is an app strategist with the BR walk-off team, which is our baseball brand. And we're trying to basically be the coolest baseball brand on the planet, uh, just providing the best content that people want to engage with, want to come back with, want to uh, comment on the app and on our social media feeds. And um, I'm super pumped about it. Like I, I love being a part of it. We have a really cool team. Bleach Report's finally investing in baseball. I've been waiting since 2015 for this, so it's been a while. Uh, but that's my main job. Then my obviously favorite hobby slash, you know, uh, side uh, job is Section 10. Uh, the Section 10 podcast, doing that with Jared Carabas and Coley Mick. Been doing that since 2015 as well. 
uh, biggest Red Sox podcast on the planet, obviously. I mean, what are we talking about? But yeah. that's been a lot of fun getting to interview a lot of players um, and just really, yeah, just really break the game down in, in a fun way that people want to uh, be a part of. And I've loved doing it so far and and it, it helps that the Red Sox are good. So that's made this season a lot better. Uh, and then the live BP show is uh, Rob Bradford and myself uh, on WEEI. It's every weekend on EEI talking Red Sox. We also try to talk baseball too. Um, so open it up to MLB as well. Uh, but yeah, it's, that's been a lot of fun too. And it's uh, not a lot of free time, but I do enjoy doing all three of those things and um, yeah, trying to have time for my girlfriend and my family as well. So it's, it's a busy existence, but I like doing it. That's for sure. For sure. Um, so what has it been like getting to experience working, doing behind the scenes stuff, as well as like, not necessarily on camera, but in front of a microphone? Yeah, I think the the biggest thing for me is that like the top experience I've had uh, on both sides uh, would be with Section 10, like between doing interviews with players in the dugout, which was incredible uh, during 2018, the playoff run there. We're interviewing J.D. Martinez before Red Sox-Yankees playoff series. And I'm like, this is nuts. <laughs> um, and then Alex Cora, Mitch Moreland, some of these other guys. You got Chris Sale walking by, just giving us a head nod. I'm like, all right, I guess we're head nodding Chris Sale. So it's that experience was wild. And it kind of opened my eyes to like what this could be, like how these players want to engage with us because they know that we're not trying to like get them uh, during interviews. We're not trying to like expose them or anything or, or call out why they went over four or you know right. get into their personal lives and stuff they don't want to talk about like we're really just trying to uh kind of bring the coolest version of these players to the fans in the most casual way possible that's not forced and i think we've done a great job of that and at the same time in terms of like off-camera stuff like i've done all the producing for the show uh planning the topics doing all the promos uh getting all the quote cards out our guy Ozzy has been awesome uh, actually doing the quote cards. He's a great graphic designer. So it takes a team of people to make uh, something like Section 10 work, but it, it's been it's been a lot of fun really, you know, growing that into what it is today for sure. Awesome. Um, so what part or any of these jobs, has there been one specific moment that in it you're like, yeah, I could see myself doing this forever or is this just a step towards a bigger goal? Um, I'm trying to think of like one moment that actually sticks out. Uh, I would say the time that I knew I wanted to invest a ton of my life into the podcast was when we interviewed Kurt Schilling at his house because it was it was eye opening. I thought it was like a, we were early on, almost in terms of like getting a guest like that. A lot of people have different you know varying opinions about Schilling. I try to stick with baseball and. Anytime we would just talk to him about baseball, it was awesome. He would give us great stories, behind the scenes stuff, which I love. Like, that's what I live for, those stories that you haven't heard before. Mm -hmm. And we did that. It went really well. Uh, and I was like, all right, this is this is really cool. Like, if we invest a lot of time, uh, as Jared does, as now Coley does, he's been on the show for, for three years now, it's going to be really good. And it's going to be worth it in the long run. Like, But it, it, in the moment, it's hard to realize, right? Because... You don't have a huge audience. You're just trying to like build it up. You're trying to get it to where it is today. But that was an eye-opening experience of like, okay, like we can get big name players and they're going to, they're going to come on the show and they're going to enjoy being on the show. And like, we can get that out to a big audience. So I think that's probably the moment that I realized like, 
I want I want to really dive into this more, uh, at least in the podcast world. Going backwards now. So if we could review like your college experience, did you go in knowing you wanted to do something in sports? Uh, yes, because that's all I knew. Like, I think that's the funny thing is like when you look at the majors and you're trying to break down what you're actually going to study, like what your thing's going to be. And I'm like, that says sports and I like sports. <laughs> like that's, that's kind of how I looked at it where it's just like, I know in theory, I can thrive doing that. Uh, hopefully it works. The thing with college is that you really go into it blind. Like you don't know if you're going to make friends, you don't know if you're going to like what you're studying. You don't know if it's going to be too difficult for you. Like I, you know, seeing varying things of friends that went to college a year before me of like, Oh dude, it's so hard. Or like, dude, this is so easy. Like we're just hanging out all the time. So you kind of wanted something in between and Endicott kind of provided that. I think the, the top thing that Endicott provided that I recommend to anybody that reaches out that's in college now is do as many internships as you can do and invest as much time as you possibly can into companies that you could realistically see yourself working for after college. And that's something that in school, like I got it, like I was like, all right, sounds good. Like I'll do that. But I was like 18, 19. I didn't really think about it that much. I more did the internships because like they were required. But then after my freshman year one at WEI, I was like, oh, okay, this is very important. Like I need to take this seriously uh, and it could lead to jobs and, and you know, down the road it, it did. So I would say that's probably my biggest takeaway from college, but going into it, I was like, yeah, it says sports. It says, it says sports <laughs> management. So like, that's fine. Adding the communication minor was big because I started doing a radio show with my buddy, Tyler, my roommate, uh, a sports radio show on campus, my sophomore year. So I was 19 years old. And that was the first experience I had talking into a microphone, uh, being on camera. Like that was the first kind of like, okay, this is, we're doing a show. Like who knows who's listening. It was on the Endicott channel. I don't know who the hell was tuning into that. It was like, it's like channel, like 300, uh, you know, on the Endicott <laughs> dial. But, um, but that, that mattered because it got me used to talking about the Red Sox, the Patriots, Celtics, all the teams around here. Um, and we'd even talk about Endicott athletics, which no one really cared about, but it at least got you used to how to break down a game, a series, like a week of sports. And I would say that probably got me most ready for, you know, what I'm doing now. So you said you had an internship after your freshman year. Yeah, it was, uh, during, it was uh, the crazy, like they really throw you into the fire. Cause that was freshman year. That was during freshman year. Basically what Endicott does is they give you like an extended winter break. And it's expected for the majority of that, you're going to be doing an internship somewhere. And that's for freshman and sophomore year. And then senior year, it's a whole semester. Junior year, you get it off. I went to Madrid and, and that was an all-time experience. Studied abroad. It was like one <laughs> class being like, hola, adios. <laughs> yeah, it was just like, hola, everyone. Okay, bye. Um, but no, that was a great experience. And yeah, that's that was W. I was at WEI when I was 18. Uh in the winter of whenever that would have been, it was right around when Obama's presidency started. So like the beginning of like 2009. Um, and I was like, all right, this is, I mean, it's intimidating. Not going to lie. Like everyone there is like a grown up. And <laughs> I love when people say you're a grown up at 18. Like I could no. barely spell. Like I, I just, there's just no way that you are ready for like real, real world experience, like workplace experience. And that's why the internships matter so much. Cause like, I actually felt like, okay, I have a long way to go to be like any of these people 
but at least I'm here and I'm learning how to do stuff and I'm contributing to the overall product. So, um, yeah, that was fun. It was, I mean, it was ages ago at this point, but that was 12 years ago, but it was a lot of fun. I just imagine walking into that, like, sir, six months ago, I had to raise my hand to use the bathroom. <laughs> like, oh my God. <laughs> that it's... was supposed to be contributing here. <laughs> yeah, it was weird. I mean, the, the funny thing to bring it back to shilling, like I remember, cause I would help out with the night, uh, the night radio show they had with Mikey Adams and he called me Nedley Van Scooterhausen because he didn't know what my name was. So naturally that, that was That's my name. <laughs> so yeah, that makes more sense than just Steve, but, um, but no, I, I remember Kurt Schilling came into the studio and this was like, I think right after he retired and did like a lengthy interview. And I was kind of in the little production room or whatever behind the glass. And this is such a subtle thing and it doesn't really matter at all, but I've never forgotten it. He kind of like double tapped on the window when he was walking out and gave a little wave and I was like, there's no way that was to me. There's absolutely no way Kurt Schilling just like waved to me. <laughs> no like this, the, I, I'm looking around, like I'm the only one in this room. It had to be to me. Like, this is insane. And I just remember that next day telling my parents, I was so excited. I was like, Kurt Schilling waved to me. Like, that's absolutely nuts. And you learn quick. I think the quickest thing you learn from those internships is you just have to act normal around guys that you idolized, like growing up. Like you just have to act normal around them. And that's not a normal ask of interns to yeah. be like normal. I totally get when they get starstruck. Um, because that's what I, I was looking, I, you know, I, I wasn't going to say a word to him. I was, I was probably nervous and sweating, but, <laughs> um, but no, that was a really cool thing. And again, it reminded you like, all right, we're in the big leagues now. Like you can't, this is, there's no looking back now. Once you choose that path, you got to go down it. Cause I wasn't going to be changing my major at that point. It's like, we're committed to this and, and this is going to be the career. So it was good to know at that age, Cause it kind of gets you ready for, you know, you know that you have a lot of work ahead, but at least, you know, when you're 18, which is nice. Yeah. Last year I was doing an internship, um, with channel five in Boston. Oh, nice. And I was, we were at one of the Bruins practices and it was like my first time being there. And like, I was holding the microphone and everything. I was like, Oh my God, I have to get like a boomerang of this. So <laughs> I went to go take a boomerang and around the corner comes Brad Marshall and catches me mid boomerang. I'm like, he's the worst person to catch you doing a boomerang. <laughs> I mean, Eddie, I it's know, just, he's it's going tough. to of me. <laughs> I know, but it's like, it's hard to, those first experiences too, are always like, wow, they're a person, they're a real human. Cause yeah. you've only really seen them on your, your television. And then the only in person is when they're going like a million miles an hour on the ice or, when they're at Fenway Park, second you walk into Fenway, you're just like, everything's like fairy tale land here. Like it doesn't feel like a real place. Yeah. Like it feels like you go back in time. Um, so it is funny when you just see them walking around. Like I've, I've always thought that was, and it's still to this day, like there's times that we'll interview players and I'm like, that's hilarious. We're just, you know, we're just talking to JD Martinez. Like, this is funny. Like it, that's still going to be funny to me, even though I'm like the same age as these guys. Like that's yeah. the concept of always seeing them on TV and then being in their presence is, uh, it's funny. It's just funny. Cause you, you're not, your body is trained to think, whoa, like this is a huge deal, but then you have to act cool, which is, uh, not the easiest thing to do. So. I live in Foxborough and I've lived here my whole life. So there used to be just random days in school where Gronk would come in and yeah. like, he would be like, yeah, we're having an assembly today. Gronk's here. And we're like, oh, okay. Like he just comes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, like, it just happens. I, I kind of expect that for him though. He seems like a guy that just shows up at places like, what's up? How oh, are we yeah. doing? Like he would 
go to Stop and Shop for his groceries every week. Like he yeah. went by himself. He would go to Dairy Queen. Like he's a normal guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just chilling. Like, he gave off the. I'll give him credit. Like that's not easy to do, especially when you're like the greatest tight end of all time. Like I. Right. But he didn't carry himself like that. Those are the players that I respect the most. The ones that know they got it. They know they're they're famous. They know they got money and attention. And they're like, I'm still a, I'm still a normal person. I'm, I don't, you know, don't treat me like I'm some greater than thing. I like mm-hmm. that. All right. Let's circle back. <laughs> I <Yeah>. got distracted. <laughs> um, so besides BEI, what other internships did you have? I was WEI freshman year. Sophomore year is the one I kind of regret. It was at Boston College. Nothing against BC. Uh, I've been a BC fan my whole life. But I took too long to get that internship. And basically I ended up, it was like a friend, it was like a family friend of a friend type of deal where someone worked at the athletic department there. I think it was like the rec center or whatever they called it. And um, it was pitched to me that I was going to be involved in like organizing like the intramural schedule at Boston college and that the kids would be back for the majority of when I was going to be doing the internship, uh, which didn't happen. And I essentially was a janitor for like three weeks. Like it was bad. It was like, oh, we need to move these chairs there and, and take this equipment out and put it there. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is terrible. So there are internships out there. If you don't do enough homework, if you wait too long, that was lesson learned. I, I waited too long to get that internship and it backfired quickly with me, you know, uh, scrubbing the floors of the Boston College Rec Center for like, you know, hunting moment. I know. I'm like, please, <laughs> someone recognize me. But no, it was like January of uh, 2010, I believe. And um, it was bad. It was that was not fun at all. I did not enjoy that. But it was eye opening. And it put me in a position to be like, I need to now crush it for uh, the senior year freelance, because like, that's a semester long thing you think three weeks is bad. If you mess up a semester long internship, like that could set you back a couple of years, at least mentally, like, you yeah. know, feeling like you got a bad experience. So that one was at Comcast Sportsnet, uh, which is now NBC Sports Boston, but it was called Comcast Sportsnet at that point in um, 2011 and 2012. And it was an incredible experience. Got to, even, even though you're not doing like the most important things, you're logging games, like highlights, uh, you're doing the teleprompter for the shows, but you get to be involved in the meetings and like you get to meet people that are still there. Tommy Curran, uh, Kyle Draper was great. I know he's not there anymore, but he was super nice to me. Uh, Mike Giardi, like guys that are really trendy Kisnerik, pe- people that are really good at this and that are professionals. Gary Tangway was another really nice person there. And it's funny to me because now like we all follow each other on Twitter, but they probably don't remember that I, that I interned. Yeah. There yeah, 20, they're like, I have no idea who that guy is. I know section 10, Steve and bleach report, <laughs> Steve. I don't know this guy, but, um, but no, it, it's, those are very important things. And I'm thankful looking back on it that um, I took the time to get the senior year one because I being a janitor sophomore year was not fun. <laughs> not ideal. Not ideal. I wouldn't recommend it. It's not good. <laughs> Um, so then after college was your first job at Nesson? Technically my first job was with my friend Kayla, my, my close friend from uh, my hometown, Hingham. Her family was, uh, I, I always thought it was a health insurance company. I guess it was some consulting company. I don't know. <laughs> I basically worked on like these PowerPoints for like health insurance companies. It made no sense. Uh, but it, it, it paid well, which was cool. And it bought me time, which was very important because I didn't want to live at home for too long. 
I wanted to get my own place or at least live with my buddies, you know, do that whole thing, living in the city with my friends. Um, so Nesson happened about seven or eight months after I graduated. I uh, actually had an interview with Andy Brickley set up by my, I, I used to get my hair done at a hairdresser because uh, my mom was friends with this lady, Tracy, that worked there. And one day she brought up like, oh, by the way, I cut Andy Brickley's hair. You want me to like put you in touch with him? I'm like, yeah, that, uh, yeah, like that would be cool. Let's do that. <laughs> and so we met at a Dunkin' Donuts, which is so like cliche. And I thought I was late or I thought I was early, but then I think I was late and I was like, oh God, I don't know what I'm walking into, but he couldn't have been nicer. We sat there and talked sports for like an hour um, I was glad I studied up on the Bruins so much before then, but it wasn't like he was quizzing me or anything. We were talking about the Sox, talking about his career, uh, on the ice and then calling games with Jack Edwards. And he was super nice to me. And he said, he's like, yeah, you know, I'll, uh, I'll forward your name, you know, can't promise anything, but, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know if anything comes up. And I just assumed that was like, you know, maybe I hear back, maybe I don't, I didn't think anything would come of that. But then a week later I got an interview, uh, for a production assistant role and I got the job and. I uh, worked there for two and a half years. And uh, I mean, I'm always honest about my experience at Nesson. There are a lot of people there that I really didn't like at all um, that just aren't good people. And I think it's okay to say that. Like, I, 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 it took me a while to like, I don't want to say like publicly say it, but like say it on the podcast or in, that there's, you know, you're not going to love everybody you work with. Like there's going to be people that you naturally don't get along with uh, that drive you insane and make you want to hit your head on a wall. <laughs> But it's all kind of that. Yeah, no, just to put it lightly, but like, that's all part of the process. Like that happens. So it's not like everything's supposed to go all perfect. Um, But no, there's still some people there that I I just, I'm stunned have been there for as long as they have. But uh, there are some great people that work in Nesson, people that I'm still friends with to this day. Some of my closest relationships are with people that uh, work at at Nesson. Uh, My girlfriend works at Nesson. So obviously, but yeah, it was that was an interesting experience. Got a World Series ring, which was cool. Uh, that was really neat with Peralt on the side. So I can always say, like years down the road, I can say I was on the 2013 World Series Red Sox <laughs> team. Uh, just I just didn't get in any games, but I was on that team. But um, yeah, it was. Trust me, I was I was there. Um, but no, that was a good experience. It also helped me build up my editing skills. Got to edit a lot of highlights, montages. Uh, worked a lot with the Red Sox and Bruins pregame and postgame shows, the, the nightly shows on Nesson that God knows who watches those. But I got to work on those, which was nice. Um, and yeah, it was it was a good experience. And and Section 10 was after that, but it kind of put me in a position to that Section 10 could happen. And I'm sure that's a common theme with a lot of entry level jobs that yeah. like you learn a lot, but it's supposed to be like the first stop not like you love every minute of it yeah um, exactly. I guess going from that and maybe since then have you noticed that working in a competitive industry like sports and media you've had to make different sacrifices when it comes to getting what you want out of your career absolutely um the first thing I learned at Nesson is that you're going to miss out on social events and life events that in another career you would not miss out on. Um, I am trying to think of a couple of them. Like the, I missed out on my five-year high school reunion, which it's weird because that was like the only one we had. Like, I don't think we had any since then. Like that was in 2013. And I had just started working at Ness in late 2012. And um, I was living on, on Com Ave. We had a great apartment, 1776 Com Ave. What a great address. 
<laughs> and I was with my, my best friend, Mike, uh, I'm going to be the best man at his wedding in, in a couple months. Um, just a fun side note, but I, <laughs> it was a great time and it, it was, it was a, a fun time to exist. And yet with that would be times where I had to work, you know, a lot of late nights in Essen. it's you're there till one, two in the morning, a lot of times. And I remember getting back to the, uh, the apartment and like my, my best friends from high school were like, that was incredible. It was so much fun. You missed out. I'm like, now I was so, I was so yeah, upset. I was just sitting at a desk for hours. I know I was cutting highlights for five hours, but, um, <laughs> but no, it went from that to then, uh, there's just, there's just stuff you miss out on. I, I wanted to go to the parade that year, the Red Sox parade, but I had to work for that. Um, I took all the Super Bowls off, so I didn't miss any Patriots Super Bowls. I, you had to take them off like seven months in advance. It's like, I'm going to take the risk and assume they're going to be in the Super Bowl, which around them they normally were. So, yeah, right. um, but yeah, you, you, you miss out on life events, even with section 10, uh, you know, Bleach Report, especially now is as busy as ever. We're trying to grow a baseball brand. That's not easy trying to grow from scratch. We have the people to do it, which is great. We have a phenomenal team of people working uh, uh, for BR walk-off and trying to do that while balancing the podcast and doing, you know, the show with Rob for WEEI. It's a lot. And, and you try to squeeze in your social life when you can, but you realize if I'm going to keep up with these other people that are growing followings on, on social media and within this field, this is what I got to do. Like there's, I don't really look at it as having a choice. Um, Cause this is kind of why you put all the work in over the years to get to a position where you feel like, all right, I've accomplished something, but like we want to keep kind of moving in the right direction. So uh, a good example is just trying to squeeze in, you know, social life is that we, uh, my girlfriend and I took a trip to Yankee Stadium a couple weekends ago, only for the Friday game. It was only for the Friday Red Sox Yankees game. And we drove back the next morning at 9am because like I had to do the, the EEI show. I worked for BR until about two. I had a half day, flew down to the stadium, barely got there for like the third inning or whatever. We saw six inning Sox win, which was good. Go out with our friends. I uh, get up at eight 30, drive right back. So I could do the the radio show in, in uh, Brighton mass, but it's, that's the kind of stuff you have to do. If, if you're willing to do that and you're willing to find gaps where you can have a social life, then uh, it's all worth it, but it, it gets exhausting. That's for sure. I'll say that much. I bet. Um, but to brighten it up on a personal note, you kind of mentioned this before, but what does it, what does it feel like to, have been watching the Red Sox and these Boston sports teams your whole life and to now be covering them. Like that's your job. Like, oh, it's awesome to do that. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, it's awesome. Like I always have the same critique. Like I try to, I try to tiptoe this, this line of being a fan of the teams while also now being like a somewhat part of the media, like for EEI, like we get credentials, we're up in the booth, uh, section 10, we're essentially media, but like a lot of the reporters don't like us because we get good access with the players and they might not get that. Um, but it's, it's interesting, but there's always, I always come back to the same thing, um, which is working in sports is a lot of fun, but if you want to be successful, it is a ton of work and it's, it's more not fun stuff than fun stuff. Like it's, it's more grinding. So you can get that, like that sweet spot of the thing you wanted uh, yeah. for, for a minimal amount of time. And then right back to grinding to get whatever that next thing is. So um, I, I think the people that, that rush into that, that get their first gig and they're all the, the caption is like, OMG, I get paid to do this. Like, I hate those so much. Cause it, it, it's, <laughs> Like everyone else is looking at you, like act like you've been there before. Like there always yeah. is that layer of like, don't act too like starstruck at what you're doing. 
Um, and I try not to do that. Of course, I like posting from, you know, the EI booth and any cool seats we have or interviews. Like self-promotion's fine, but that specific line of like, OMG, can't believe this is my life. Like that's, uh, I'm out on that. <laughs> I'm out. I've always been out on that. So, um, but no, it is cool. It is cool. There are times where I'll definitely kind of sit back and be like, all right, no, we've, we've made a dent. Like there's, there's been progress made. And, you know, my family's proud of what I'm doing. My friends think it's cool. And, um, but at the same time, you always kind of think like, you haven't really done anything. Like you're, you're like, all right, what's, what's the next thing that we can accomplish and, and grow from? Um, and having that mindset can kind of drive you a little crazy, but it, it keeps you motivated. Yeah. I think, I think it's obvious that you have that feeling how you are working three jobs minimum. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. You got to keep a lot of things balanced, right? You got to keep a lot of things up in the air. Uh, I would highly recommend that. I think a lot of people invest so much in like one job. I think it benefits, it just benefits you personally to have your hands in a lot of things. Be, do a podcast, have, you know, make sure your full-time job is cool with you doing that. Like make sure everybody's good with everybody. I think that's something I realized early on. Bleacher Report was totally fine with me doing section 10. Uh, since then the show has gotten a lot bigger than it was in 2015 but I've kept them honest. They've kept me honest and it's gone well. You know, if I need a day off here or there next week, they, you know, we have a, a watch party for section 10 at, at game on by Fenway. And, you know, they're like, yeah, no, you can take that day. That's fine. Like, so it's, it's BR deserves a ton of credit for that. Um, and also believing in me to be a big part of this, this BR walk-off brand that, that we're launching. Cause I'm sure there's other people they could have gone with for that, but they know that I'm the right person for the job. So um, I take a lot of pride in that and, and, you know, we're going to do everything we can to make that a really cool thing within this, you know, this sphere of, of content, this it's overwhelming the amount of like, you know, brands there are and handles. Uh, but as long as you can, you know, come up with creative stuff, original stuff, then people normally come back and, and want to be a part of it. So that always kind of sort of figures itself out if you're creative and original. Yeah, that's what's interesting about like social media in general, because it has that feeling like it's way oversaturated, there's no room, but like there's also no limit on how many pages you can follow, how many podcasts you can subscribe to. Um, and I think going back to what you were saying about like having your hand in different projects, I think that makes sense for professionally but also just like mental health like oh yeah you're like just all in on this one thing that's all you're going to be focused on you're gonna like nitpick at it whatever um so yeah I definitely appreciate that no yeah I think it's um mental health is a serious thing I the the thing about it that's I don't want to say that like bugs me but I just think everybody is impacted differently by how they're doing on a day-to-day basis like mentally like there are some people that really struggle and that really like are depressed and, and, and go through tough times that I've met in this industry. And then there's other people that like, you know, some days you're going to be very worn down. Some days you're, you're, you're going to, you're going to feel bad. You're not going to know, am I doing well enough? You're going to see a negative comment. It's really going to get to you. And you just kind of feel like garbage. Um, so I, I just think there's different layers to it. And there are times where we all kind of seem to throw it in the same boat. And I don't want to say that's bad or good. It's just the acknowledgement of, of people that are really struggling is important. Uh, it should be, 
it should, people should be more vocal about it. I think there's a lot of people, especially, I hate to say it, especially males that are afraid in the sports industry that at least I've come across to talk about it. And they think it's non like masculine and non manly to be like, I'm struggling. And it's, I'm glad it's becoming more common uh, to talk about it. even Jared on, on our show, like he's talked about it and it's way better to talk about it than to just say, nah, like rub it off, man. Like you're fine. Like just, just act like you're fine. Like that's stupid. Don't do that. So I've kind of learned how to do it. I think when I was younger, um, I definitely had some issues with depression, but it was, it was brief. It was, it was really just a, a concern about, am I going to get into college? What's my life going to be? I think it was all that. And I'd wake up really sad and, and luckily that wore off, but I think it impacts people differently in a different, you know, times of their life. So it's always a very serious thing. And anybody that turns a blind eye to it, I think is making the wrong decision. Totally agree. I think we have even seen that in recent weeks with like Naomi Osaka with the French Open. And the thing is that when somebody finally does make an announcement about it, you see all these other people saying, oh yeah, me too, me too, me too. Yeah. And it like, I don't know who I feel worse for the person who got to the breaking point where they had to say something or the people that were waiting for somebody else to say it so they could say it too. Yeah. But I under, I understand as well. Like I, I totally get, it's not an easy thing to talk about. For um, sure. It can be very uncomfortable and people, I think there's this constant concern of getting made fun of online and, and people are afraid of it. And I used to be afraid of it. I, I really, when we started section 10, uh, there was a lot of negativity sent my way because no one really knew who I was. And I was really kind of starting up, uh, you know, in terms of being like a quote unquote personality. Um, and there was, there's naturally a lot of backlash and you have to constantly prove that you're worthy of the position you have. Uh, and, you know, of the influence that you're going to have over, in this case, a fan base being Red Sox fans. So it's a lot. I think it's still, there's still times, like I mentioned, that you'll see some negative comments and, and you question, like, am I really doing my best right now? Like, can I do this? Should I do that? Um, should I actually start that diet I've talked about for a long time? <laughs> like, those are the kind of things that set in. But it is, it is definitely something that I understand uh, impacts a lot of people. And I'm, I'm glad that, that Naomi had mentioned it and, and didn't want to be a, a distraction, was just, you know, being honest about it. And she's now probably going to be the reason that younger girls growing up in sports are okay talking about it. And that is very important. That is super valuable. So I am glad that that happened. And even for media to realize the power of what they do to not yeah. in a press conference or whatever ask about the mistake they made or whatever mm. it is or write a negative story to realize that like you said about seeing a celebrity in person they're human yeah no yeah it's it's something that we just we need to remember and uh in the moment i understand that can be hard sometimes because you just your brain goes into like how much can I get? Can I get a photo out of this? Like, can I get an autograph at like, how do I, I think a lot of fans go to that. They, they go to like, how much can I get out of this person without remembering that that's another person? Like that's he's, he or she is just trying to go home. 
<laughs> you know, it's like, it, it, I know it's crazy for people to comprehend, but like that's being a major league player, being a tennis player, you know, it's a job. That's, it's a full-time job. And, and just cause it's a little different than a nine to five doesn't mean that they don't deal with the same stresses that, that we deal with doing stuff during the day or, or at night. So the yeah. more you can understand that, the more people can understand that, the, the better. Alrighty. I have one more question for you. Nice. Um, just one piece of advice you would give to somebody who might want to do exactly what you do or just work in the media industry in general. Yeah. The biggest piece of advice I give out is that you should never feel satisfied. Uh, the work never stops. Like there's, I was at a bachelor party this past weekend. Um, on my, you know, still on the phone, still trying to find out stuff we can post for section 10 for BR walk off for EEI. The work never stops. Like the second you start checking out and getting comfortable, you're screwed. So I think a lot of people are always just saying like, Oh, work hard and things will figure themselves out. Nah, you, you have to work hard just to have your foot in the door. Right. And then you need to work even harder to stay in the door, <laughs> like, right. or else that's shutting on you. So that's my biggest piece of advice is always work as hard as you possibly can. Uh, never have the, never turn the off switch. Don't, don't check out, um, kind of always be on the clock and you'll find your gaps. You're always going to find your gaps to have a social life. Don't worry about that. I think a lot of people worry about that. I don't regret any of, you know, my post-college time, post-college years. There's a couple things I missed out on, but for the most part, it was incredible. Um, so yeah, constantly be on the grind and, and be willing to outwork the, the person that you're competing against. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate you uh, doing this so late. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you doing it late. I had, to, I, I had to move it back late. No, it's all good. I get it, but that's, hey, it's... People got busy schedules and uh, it's all about making stuff work. So I, I appreciate you having me on. Thank you so much. You're actually my first guest for my first episode. I'm so. telling you, it's only up from here. I'm, <laughs> tell, I'm telling you. All right. Thank you so much again to Steve Peralt for joining me on the podcast today. Be sure to go follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Steve underscore Peralt. Um, in his bio of all those, you can find information of his shows. Um, and you can follow me on Instagram at Claire Marie Foley and at Let's Talk About Success. Um, thank you for listening and I will see you next time. Bye.